Welcome, church. It's so wonderful to be here. If you guys want to make your way in here, feel free. Feel free. If you, if you would like to stand for the reading, you will, are welcome to do so. Um, this morning, we're going to do it a little different. Gabe is going to read uh, the reading part. We have still have a response part, but I'm going to read it with you just so it's a little less awkward <laughs> for all of us. So Gabe will read, and then we're going to read together, all of us, okay? So this is our week of joy, so we can celebrate the joy of the Lord this morning, the He sent his son. That's a joyful thing that we can be grateful for. Even when life isn't giving us something to be joyful for, we still have Jesus. Amen? Yes, you can stand. We are reminded of the angels bringing good news of great joy to the shepherds this season. Yet many are in a season of suffering, wondering how to have joy. Our joy comes from the Lord. We patiently wait for Christ to return and make all things right. Yet even in the waiting, we have work to do. Like a farmer who plants the seeds and works the fields, we plant and work in hope that our joy will be made complete. Our joy comes from hope. We are called to stand firm. Even in the face of challenges, we are called to care for our sisters and brothers the community of faith reminds us that we are not alone. Our joy comes from community. We are called once again to live in the already, not yet, kingdom of God and to trust that Christ will return to make all things right. While we wait, we partner with the Holy Spirit in kingdom work now. Our joy comes from our hope in the Lord and from seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven even now. We light the candle of joy today, not to ignore suffering, but to acknowledge that we are not forgotten, even as we lament, grieve, or mourn. The good news is that Christ came, Christ is with us, and Christ will come again. We have joy in knowing that. In a world that still waits the return of Christ to make all things right, we still have joy because we know that Christ has come and Christ will come again. God of joy, in the midst of whatever we are going through, give us the reminder that you are with us. Help us find joy in the glimpses of your kingdom at work in our world even now, and the perseverance to hope for your return when our joy will be made complete. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gabe. Amen. God, thank you so much for your joy, for your gift of life that gives us joy even when we're suffering, even when we're struggling in the stress of this season. Those of us who have depression and anxiety that crops up at the most inconvenient times, those of us who have strife in our families, that the holidays can just highlight those situations or bring it all to a head. Lord, we thank you for your gift of life. We rejoice in you because you are worthy, because you are worthy, Lord. Even when life gives us no reason to rejoice, we rejoice in you because you are good and there is joy in your presence. Amen. Let's sing together. 
three kings of Oriental Bearing gifts we traverse afar Field and fountain more and mountain Following yonder star Born a king on Bethlehem's plain Gold I bring to crown him again to worship this morning from John chapter 1, a very familiar passage. 
You can play, Dave. Um, it says, in the beginning was the word. I just want to take a moment, really, as we go into this passage. It's very poetic. So I want to set the mood here for us for a second to just think about a worshipful response for us in our hearts is responding to the majesty of God, the things about God that are greater than we can understand. And when we realize how vast he is and how that we are not in control and that we cannot understand the greatness of God, we worship. That's just our natural response when we're in awe of who God is. So when I read these words, I want you to really think about what this means in the ways that we can understand and the ways that we cannot fathom. Amen? This is who God is. This is who Jesus is, okay? Let's do that. You want to play? Okay. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Let's rejoice in that truth this morning. Joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, hail thee as the sun above. Joy in my soul, joy in my soul. Joy in my soul, joy in my Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, hail thee as the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away, give her Joy 
Joyful, okay. <laughs> I know we know this one, you guys. It tells the whole story, beginning to end. We're having technical difficulties. Let's pretend there's like a loading screen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought. Life's 
martyrs cry to final breath jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hands till he returns or calls me something to rejoice. Amen. Lots of reasons to rejoice this morning. Oh, come let us adore. 
seated. Thank you so much, praise team, for, as always, just beautifully leading us in worship. We're grateful for our praise team. Amen? Amen. Well, as we uh, prepare to enter into a time of of corporate prayer and and even praise, I just want to ask this morning, on this Joy Sunday, this third Sunday in Advent, do you have joy in your soul? Does anybody just want to say, yes, I have joy in my soul? Do you have joy in your soul? Amen. And here's the thing. I invite you to answer that question honestly, right? We don't like to be fake around here and pretend like we are experiencing something when we're not. And so if this morning, maybe you just answered yes, but you're like, well, really, the answer is no. I just know I'm supposed to say yes. But really, truly, if the answer this morning is, you know, I'm not feeling the joy today, I just want to let you know that that is okay. And and those honest feelings are welcome here. Because God is not afraid of, of your true, real feelings and experiences, right? And, and while we don't always let our feelings dictate how we... Um, what we believe, right? We sometimes have to declare truth over what we feel. Does that make sense? But it also doesn't mean that there are seasons where we just feel sad or lonely or depressed or anxious, overwhelmed. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you said, yes, I have joy in my soul, and if that's true, would you just take a moment and as, as we come together in a time of prayer, would you just praise God? for being your joy. He is our source of joy. And if you feel like you're not experiencing joy today, if you say, I don't know why, maybe you can't put your finger on it, you don't really know why, I just want to encourage you to come before God openly and honestly and just ask him to be your joy this morning. Right? We're not going to necessarily ask him to just make us happy or to snap his fingers and help us to feel the warm and fuzzy feelings, but can we just pray, God, would you be my joy? Would you be my joy in the midst of a season where I am not feeling joyful? Because friends, he can and he will. We just have to ask him. Maybe this morning you know someone who is experiencing just feelings of sadness Maybe for them, this season is particularly challenging for whatever reason. If you know someone, if someone comes to mind who who you feel is not experiencing the joy of Christ, would you lift them up in prayer this morning? Would you intercede on their behalf? And would you ask God to be their source of joy? That's what we pray this morning as the people of God, that he would meet us here in our waiting and that he would give us joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence, into this place, and God, we can just acknowledge where we are. And for some of us, God, we are in in a season of of joy, in a season of, of celebration. God, some of us can just easily identify and acknowledge the different ways in which you are at work in our lives, 
so this morning, God, we praise you for being a God who is present, for being a God who is available, for being a God who meets us in our moments of need, in our moments of weakness. God, we thank you that you can be our ultimate source of joy, that even in the midst of everything going on in life, even if there's no reason to have joy, that God, you can still give us joy, a deep joy that doesn't come and go, that doesn't just sway, but God, it's a deep abiding joy because of your presence in our lives. But God, we also acknowledge there's, there's tension here And we acknowledge, God, that sometimes we want to feel that joy. Sometimes, God, we just feel like it's missing and maybe we don't even know why. Maybe for some, they they know why they're not experiencing joy. Maybe they're dealing with loss. They're dealing with grief. God, maybe some are just feeling stressed and overwhelmed. This is a a stressful time of year for a lot of people. God, for some, it's just the cycles of life. And and sometimes we acknowledge that we're just in a place where it feels like all the joy has just been sucked away. And so God, for those who are in that place this morning, God, we know you see us. You see us and you don't want us to hide from you. You don't want us to to put on an act and, and pretend like everything's fine when it's not. But God, you invite us to come openly and honestly before you. And so God, as we do that this morning, God, I pray that you would, in a way that only you can, would meet us in this place, in this moment, that you would strengthen our hearts, that you would just help us to experience your presence and your peace. And in experiencing a deep abiding presence and peace, that it would bring us joy. Not a joy that, that pretends like everything is fine when it's not, not a joy that is given to us by a a warm and fuzzy Christmas song or a Christmas movie, but it's a deep abiding joy that we know the Father and the Father knows us and that Christ is Lord of our lives and there's not a moment we are not seen or heard or loved by him. May we find our joy in that truth this morning. as we come together this morning as a community, as a body of believers, God, would you just strengthen the joy that is to be found in community? Would you help us, Lord, to come alongside one another and and remind each other of reasons that you are our joy? God, when one of us is weak, the other is to come alongside us and to point us to you, to your truth, to your light, to your love, to your joy. So God, may this community be a community that that stands beside one another, that, that comes alongside, puts our arms around one another, links arms with one another, and points us to the joy found in Jesus. May we be those people 
that when the world looks at us, when the community of Belleville and the surrounding areas, when they look at us, may they look at us and see a people of joy. And God, if we are joyful, may we do as your word says and and let our face know. Help us, God, if we're experiencing joy, help us to, to demonstrate that. Help us, Lord, to be kind. Help us to be encouraging and uplifting for one another. Help others to to simply look at us and to just see the joy that is bursting from within. God, we recognize that we can't fabricate this kind of joy and community, that it's only possible through you. So we invite you once again, God, would you just unite us, bring us together, strengthen this community. Help us, Lord, in response to your loving kindness, help us to extend a loving kindness to the world that is broken, lonely, dark. Help us to be the light that you've called us to be. God, as we open up your word, I just pray, as always, Holy Spirit, would you just anoint these words that have been prepared? Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts to be open and to be receptive? Would you give us the ears to hear your word for your people? God, would you help us to see where this applies in our lives? Would you just encourage us through your word that is living and moving even now today? And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you, Dave. It's good to have you here today. Well, this morning, I know you just sat down, but I am going to invite you to stand together, if you're able, um, as we open up our scripture for today. We're going to be reading James chapter 5. Verses 7 through 10 this morning. This is the word of the Lord from James. So be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord this morning for the people of God. Are you thankful? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, for those of you who have been paying attention, um, we were actually in the book of James last fall. Uh, We 
slowly walked through the book of James last fall, 2021, for probably about six or seven weeks or so. Um, and so this might be a familiar word to you. And don't worry, I promise I didn't like copy and paste everything I said last year about this. There is some overlap because we have to acknowledge that. Uh, but it will go in a little bit of a different direction. So don't tune out. But, but you might recall that, that it wasn't too long ago, which we looked at this passage in particular, Just to kind of refresh your memory or just to let you know, we are in the book of James. The book of James is uh, believed to be written by Jesus' half-brother, James, who at this point was rose up as a leader of the church in Jerusalem when the church was going through a little bit of a difficult time and experiencing some significant suffering. And what I love about the book of James, see, a lot of people, and I acknowledged this last fall, that a lot of people look at the book of James, and they look at all of Paul's writings, and they notice that they seem to, to bump up against one another and kind of argue against one another. Like, we, we look at Paul's words, and we look at James' words, and sometimes they seem to counteract. They seem to not go along together. However, I think both works are useful. James just has the one work, Paul has several, but I think both are useful because Paul and James both, even though they say things in a different way, Paul and James both give us a picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, right? The past two weeks we've been in Romans, written by the Apostle Paul, and I I, I tried to help you understand that that the latter half of Romans is Paul's way of saying, here's how we live out these truths, right? He spends the majority of Romans going through just these deep, profound theological truths. And just this morning, people were in the foyer talking about like, man, Paul, you just make things sound so complicated. It's so hard to understand what he is saying sometimes. And we acknowledge that. But he spends this time going through these deep, profound theological truths. And then the second part The latter part of the book of Romans says, now here's what it looks like to live this out. And James is doing a very similar thing. At this point in the book of James, he is talking about Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's what it looks like to live as followers of Christ. As we mentioned last year when we looked at this passage, James uses in this in these verses he uses this agricultural analogy about farmers something that would have been easily understood by his original audience by those original readers they would understand it and perhaps here we have some who are who are familiar with farming or you have family maybe you grew up in that atmosphere and so maybe for you these words feel familiar you can understand what James is saying for many of us myself included This tends to just go right over my head, and I can try to to understand and imagine, but I have to really lean heavily on the experience of farmers or those who who know what that life is like. But but for James' audience, there was no other way, right? Like that everyone knew what he was talking about. And so he acknowledges that the farmer, the farmer who, who plants, who plants seeds, who plants crops, He acknowledges that the farmer has to, he does all of this work, all this preparation, so much work, I imagine, so much work, so much preparation, and then for a, for a season of time, while he's, it doesn't mean that he's not working, there is this season where he has to wait. Doesn't mean that he's just sitting around twiddling his thumbs, but he is waiting to see the production of his crops, to see what will be produced. And as James acknowledges, he's waiting on the rains. 
right? And so as the farmer is waiting, we recognize that he is dependent upon the rains for a ripe harvest. You tracking? That's pretty elementary, right? Easy to understand. And the thing that I think James maybe wants us to acknowledge with this farmer and this waiting is that perhaps there are times where the farmer is waiting not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Like maybe the seasons are really unpredictable. And maybe the farmer is waiting and there's sometimes where he's waiting very hopefully, right? And he imagines like this could be a wonderful crop where I just have what I need and I have an abundance of what I need. But I would imagine that there are seasons where he's waiting and he's acknowledging, but what if the rains don't come? What if I don't have what I need? Like, it could be wonderful, I could have plenty, or it could be devastating, and I could have nothing. I imagine that this is kind of the tension that, that maybe James wants us to, to lean into a little bit. Perhaps the most frustrating thing of all when it comes to, to this waiting for the farmer is that it's all out of his control. Right? He has no control There's nothing he can do to make the rains come. There's nothing he can do to change the circumstances. He is completely out of control. And so he has to just sit and wait, fully dependent upon someone and something much bigger than himself. And I wonder, maybe even though we're not farmers, some of us, maybe some of us are familiar, but we don't all know this particular kind of waiting, but we are familiar with a waiting right? We've all had to wait on something. We've all had to wait. This week in particular, one of us had to wait hours and hours and hours for a simple procedure, for a surgery, right? And the waiting, it just feels like time stops, right? And you're just waiting and waiting. For some of you, you have been sick. You, have, you guys have been dealing with relentless sickness, and you've just have, you've had to wait, to just wait for it to... to to heal, to get better, wait for your body to heal and to get better. We all know what it means to wait. But I wonder this morning, I wanna ask you a question, just reflect, just think about this. How do you typically wait on things? In other words, do you wait patiently? So James, just a little bit of a literary context 101, James talks about patience. He says the word four times in a short passage. He really wants us to latch on to this word patient. That word patient is apparently very important in this passage, which is frustrating for people like me who are not easily uh, or naturally patient people. Amen? Am I alone in that? (laughs) How do you typically wait on things? Do you typically wait? See, I think there's people who, who are just patient people. My husband is a very very patient person. I noticed this like right away when we first started dating. I was like, oh, we are not the same. We are not the same. (laughs) His patience is nothing like mine. And I'll just tell you, he's very patient. Okay. (laughs) He's very patient. And and I tend to, sometimes I tend to wait um, and I, and I want to look like I'm waiting patiently. And so maybe outwardly I'm like, 
this is fine. Everything's fine. I can wait, but inwardly I'm like flipping out because it's not fine and we need this to happen now. Like if I'm in public, I'm not gonna lose my mind, but I'm also maybe inwardly feeling like this is ridiculous, right? Why are we having to wait? This is ridiculous. I hope I'm not alone in that. And then there's some people where it's just obvious all the time, right? Like you're just not a patient person. They own that, (laughs) But I wonder this morning, how do you typically wait on things? What's your demeanor? What's your attitude when you're in a season of waiting? Whether that's a long season or we're talking like a few minutes. And and during this season of Advent, this is week three of Advent. And during the season of Advent, we've talked a lot about waiting, right? Advent means arrival. And before an arrival, we typically wait. We are waiting on an arrival. And so we're in this tension. We've talked, you've heard it. You're probably so sick of hearing this already, not yet. You're like, oh, could we just move on from this? Because that's all we talk about, especially during Advent. Unless you have a pastor like me who just really leans into that tension and we talk about it all the time. But we're in the middle of this already, this not yet. Not yet. We're celebrating Christ's first arrival while acknowledging that we're in this long season of waiting as we wait for his coming again to make all things right and new. We celebrate during the season of Advent that with Christ's first coming, with his first arrival, came the arrival of things like peace and hope and joy and love. And so we celebrate these things while also waiting in the tension for his coming again. And some days, let me just acknowledge this, some days that in-between tension, that waiting feels a lot heavier than other days. Am I right? Some days it feels unbearable. Some days it just feels so painful. Some days it's not so bad, but there are other days where it just feels overwhelming to wait probably especially when we're dealing with things like we've mentioned this morning, things like personal loss, when we're dealing with a loss of some kind, when we're dealing with with mental health struggles, when we're dealing with, with sickness and physical pain, when we're dealing with relationship issues, that causes a lot of tension, right? When we deal with, with those relationship issues within families or among friends, When we're dealing with financial stress and there's just no end in sight, you just don't know how it's going to work out. You feel very out of control and overwhelmed. We could go on and on, but we are familiar with what this waiting feels like. And we are familiar familiar with that some days that's so much heavier than other days. We're no stranger to waiting. We are no stranger to suffering. And it's going to get worse before it gets better this morning. So I just want to acknowledge that until Jesus comes again, we might as well go ahead and accept the fact that we're going to always be waiting on something. Until Jesus comes again, if we're not waiting on one thing, we're waiting on something else. We're always going to be waiting on something. We're always going to be waiting for healing. We're always going to be waiting for restoration. We're always going to be waiting for reconciliation, for shalom, for answers, for direction, for wisdom, for provision, for resolution. We're always going to be waiting on something. 
But what I want to acknowledge today, on this third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of joy, the candle, if you notice, changes colors, right? The, the color pink is the liturgical color for joy. And the candle changes colors on this Sunday to represent that suffering will not last and that joy is coming. Don't you love that? That When you look at this Advent wreath, this candle, it's so simple and yet so beautifully proclaims a deep truth that we hold to as believers, that we celebrate hope and we celebrate peace, but, and, and to mark that we're halfway through the season, that joy, oh, it's coming. It's coming. We don't know it in its fullness yet, but it's coming. And we celebrate that that joy is coming. The question is, again, how do, you experience, how do you handle the waiting? And maybe we also ask and wrestle with this this morning. Can we experience joy in a season of waiting? We're talking about this joy, but can we experience joy in a long season of waiting, especially if it feels like the season is never ending? That's a question that I really want us to, to wrestle with this morning. You see, one thing that I think is gonna really disturb our experiencing joy in a season of waiting is us believing that we shouldn't have to wait on anything, which is very relevant and relatable, right? As those of us who are, are like, I'm kind of concerned that we are so far removed from this original context where James is talking about farmers having to wait on the rains alone for a season, uh, for, a, for a ripe harvest, right? We are so far removed from this kind of waiting that I wonder if it's just warped us that we feel like we shouldn't have to wait on anything. And so when we do have to wait, we are certainly not going to feel joyful because why are we waiting? We live in a time and in a world as, as 21st century Western world individuals where we just don't have to wait. I mean, really, we do, but we don't, right? There's a lot that we don't have to wait on. And I'm not just talking about the, the simple luxuries of fast food and on-demand television, I'm speaking, uh, let me just say, I'm speaking very generally as a society. This isn't meant to be directed towards any particular person. But as a society, let me give you a few examples. Like if we experience any kind of physical pain, right? Any kind of physical pain, typically, and it's, you know, blasted all over the world, all the different things that you can have and you can take to, to treat that physical pain, we rush to find a medication of some kind to treat that physical pain, right? And, and the irony is that sometimes that medication causes more problems, right? Sometimes, sometimes it makes things worse in the long run, but that's what we do because that's just what we know, right? Think about if you're experiencing some kind of mental or emotional pain, what do we typically do? Well, we certainly don't like to just sit with that. And so we, we immediately rush to find a stimulant or something that gives us a hit of, it, of, of dopamine and something that can take our minds off of the mental and emotional pain that we might be feeling. Whether that's a, a narcotic, a, a, a depressant or a suppressant or shopping or eating, right? We, we look for something that makes us feel good in the moment so that we don't have to sit with mental or emotional pain. I mean, just a really silly, simple example. It's not always silly, but goodness, if we want something and we don't have the money to pay for it, well, that's okay. 
We don't have to wait for it. We'll just, you know, take out a line of credit. That way we can have what we want now. All of these are reminders that we don't like to wait and we really don't have to wait on very much. Now, I am not suggesting that any of these things are inherently evil, right? But the problem perhaps comes when these are the immediate reactions to wanting to fix in a moment, in an instant, without having to wait on resolutions, on healing. We don't have to wait on answers or we don't have to wait for peace. Maybe we don't want to and don't have to wait to experience reconciliation with others or within ourselves. We'll just go find something to take that away. As I wrestle with this, bear with me, I'm, I'm just wrestling with a lot with you all this morning. And so I wonder, as I, as I contemplate these things, I wonder, I wonder if, is, if is it possible that we may not have the opportunity to experience joy in a season of waiting if we are rushing past the waiting. Just sit with that for a moment. I don't know if this is a yes or a no answer. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm exploring these things with you all this morning. Is it possible that we may not have the opportunity to experience joy in a season of waiting if we are rushing past the waiting? It's an odd question, right? It's kind of an odd question. Another way of asking is if we simply try to avoid waiting on anything, stay with me, how are we expected to find and experience the unique joy that can only be found in seasons of waiting? Like if we're too busy looking for the joy that comes on the other side of a season of waiting, how can we experience a very unique kind of joy that can only be known in a season of waiting? Still, you're like, I don't get it. No one wants to wait. That's, that's the thing. We don't have joy when we're waiting. But I wonder, could we say that the joy that comes as a result of instant gratification that sometimes it's a false, fabricated joy, much different from a joy that only comes from a profound trust in a God who has long delighted in providing wondrously and generously for his people who find themselves in a season of waiting upon him. Ooh, that's a lot. I know, I'm throwing a lot at you. One curious thing that James says in this passage Verse 7, when he talks about being patient in waiting. And he says patience four times. He really wants us to pay attention to that. It's, it's a little bit frustrating because you're just like, okay, oh, James, sure, okay, you tell me to be patient. Well, I'll just be patient. It's that simple, right? He tells us to be patient, so we'll just turn on that patience and we'll just figure out a way to be patient. But I wonder if he's exploring maybe different ways in which we can wait patiently. Like, I wonder if he wants us to imagine a different way of waiting patiently. Like, what if we were, when we are waiting, when we are trying to be patient, what would it look like if we wait expectantly? What would it look like? What might God do if in the midst of a season of waiting that we wait expectantly on God who is absolutely without a doubt at work in the waiting? Are you with me? Let me give you an example. 
James talks about prophets. Another passage for this third Sunday of Advent, this Joy Sunday, comes from Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. And if you will bear with me, I want to read to you what the prophet Isaiah is saying. And you should know that he is saying this in the midst of a season of exile. Israel is deep in a season of exile, figuring out who they are and what God is doing. You talk about waiting. This was the most waiting of waitings, if you will, right? Like this was exactly what it looks like to wait during a long difficult, overwhelming, never-ending season. And this is what Isaiah says in the midst of that. He says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Again, in the midst of exile, in the midst of Israel, losing their identity, not having a clue what God is doing and what's next. Isaiah looks and waits expectantly and he sees and prophesies life. Did you pick up on that? Isaiah, who is waiting alongside Israel expectantly on what God is doing in the midst of exile, in the midst of wilderness, he is already looking ahead to the life that is yet to be discovered, this new thing that God has yet to do. And what I find so profound about this passage is that rather than Isaiah dreaming of being rescued from the desert, rather than Isaiah dreaming that Israel might be magically carried out of the desert, instead, he imagines what could miraculously come from the desert, what God can do within a desert, a broken, barren, desolate, isolated place. I mean, streams of water in the desert, fountains, flowing in the desert, life blooming in the desert. Do you see what Isaiah is doing there? He's waiting expectantly on what God will do in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the desolate wilderness. And in a similar way, I would challenge us 
rather than simply trying to escape the pain, which is so tempting to do. Rather than simply rushing through or skipping the waiting and the wilderness that we are likely to experience in our own lives, what might it look like to remain in these places, waiting expectantly, not on God to magically remove us from these places, but expectantly anticipating how he might work in and through the desert places, completely transforming his people in the process, both inside and out. Do we have an imagination for this kind of waiting? Is it possible to wait with joy? Listen, certainly this is no prosperity gospel. I'm sorry if you showed up looking for a prosperity gospel kind of message. This ain't it. This is not a prosperity gospel. But I'll tell you that to me, this is faithful to what we see in scripture. It's faithful to the nature and character of God who is faithful always. Does that mean there won't be moments of instant healing and relief? Of course not. We know that this happens. Many of us can testify and say, I have experienced an instantaneous moment of healing and relief. And to that I say, thanks be to God. But what it is, is recognizing that this doesn't always happen. And it's instead acknowledging that formation often happens in a season of waiting and wilderness as much as we hate to admit it. I like how scholar Tim Mackey says, Joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So in keeping, we're we're nearing the end, I promise, in keeping with this theme that we kind of touched on last week. Last week, we we talked a little bit about community. Paul was talking about what it looks like for the the people of God to live in community and in unity and in love towards one another. And if we keep up with this theme of community, I want you to also notice that James says brothers and sisters a lot, right? Did you notice that too? If you notice the repetition of patience, I think he says brothers and sisters either three or four times also in that passage. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Again, it's a short passage, and yet he says it over and over, and that means he wants you to notice something. That this kind of waiting in which he's talking about, he's not expecting you to wait by yourself. He's not speaking to an isolated individual, church. He's speaking to a community of people. And he says, brothers and sisters, when you're waiting, wait expectantly and don't grumble against one another. James addresses what waiting looks like for the people of God. And we'll be honest, we'll just acknowledge that when we're in a season where we are hurting or we're in pain, when our joy or our contentment is threatened, it's easy to take that out on others, right? Hurt people hurt people. I tell that to my kids all the time. When you're hurting, it's really easy to want to lash out and hurt the people around you. But James says, that's not not what's needed in a season of waiting. Instead, James gives us an imagination for what it looks like to come together, to stand beside one another, 
to lift up each other's hands in worship, if you remember from a few weeks ago, right? We're reminding each other what it looks like to, to posture ourselves before God as faithful people. We are reminding one another that when you don't know the goodness of God, when you're not feeling or, or seeing the goodness of God, I'm gonna remind you of the goodness of God. I'm gonna point you to the goodness of God. I'm gonna show you how Jesus is at work in the midst of this painful moment. If you're rejoicing, I'm gonna rejoice with you. If If you're singing songs of praise, I'm going to sing alongside you. But if you're mourning, I'm going to mourn too. If you're waiting and weeping, I'm going to wait and weep alongside you. I've got you. I'm coming with you. I'm walking alongside you. And when you can't see Jesus, I'm going to point you to his goodness and to the truth of what he's doing and where he is. That's the kind of waiting expectantly that James wants the community of God to experience. After all, darkness and waiting is so much more bearable when you're not alone, right? Rather than judging and griping at one another, we ought to remind each other of the joy that can be found in Christ as we wait for him. And as we acknowledge again this morning, that suffering is not going to last and joy is indeed coming. I remind you of that truth as your sister. I point you to that truth this morning as your sister. I'm gonna invite the praise team to come and as we prepare for a moment of of reflection and prayer and praise to God, We are reminded once again that we are people of the already and not yet kingdom of God. And in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, we wait patiently, looking for joy, knowing that Christ is coming to make all things right. We are faithful like the farmer who works to prepare the soil, to sow the seeds and to await the rain in its season that will produce a valuable harvest. We light the candle of joy this third week of Advent because there is joy even here in the waiting. We wait patiently and expectantly because we know that the God who has been faithful in the past will continue to be faithful in the future. And we endure because we know, I hope you know, that you are not alone. And that even in the midst of suffering, you have someone alongside you. Christ has come, Christ is with us, and Christ will come again. So this morning I ask you, what is it that you are waiting for, and how is it that you will wait? Will you wait expectantly? I'm going to ask you to do that classic thing that pastors ask you to do sometimes, to bow your head and close your eyes. And we can prepare the atmosphere for a response. But as we do so, I want to pray a prayer of, uh, for the advent of joy over you. I'm borrowing this prayer from Kate Bowler. I want you to receive this prayer and, and maybe pray it in your hearts this morning. God, we don't yet have hold of it, but we can almost feel it. Or at least the memory of it, the joy that our hearts so long for the fulfilling of all of our hopes, the completion of our loves, the perfection of beauty brought near. Blessed are we who lift our eyes and recognize even from afar that it is you. 
and that it was you all along. Oh God of truth and light, of hope and joy, though we do not grasp it fully, our small steps to know the way we should go, it is the way of joy that delights in love. And in the meantime, we wait in expectation for the refreshing you do, the gathering of all that is into your heart of mercy. Christ has come and will come again in glory. Amen and amen. Please stand with us as we sing, if you're able, or you can remain seated. The altars are open. You can kneel, you can bow, you can stand, you can dance. Oh, sorry, we can't do that. This is a Nazarene church. I'm just kidding. You can. Within reason. Let's sing this together. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Let all within us breathe. 
God, we just thank you this morning for your joy that is and can be experienced even in the season of waiting. God, one of the things I love about that song is that line about how the moment you appeared, the soul felt its worth. The soul recognized its worth. And that can't happen until we see and know you. We don't know how worthy we are until we find our worthiness in you. So God, I just pray that each person would feel that worth this morning. That whether we wait well or we have a long ways to go, that God, with you, it's possible. When we find our worth in you, we discover that there's never a moment of waiting or suffering that's wasted. That all of these difficult things that we experience in life are opportunities to see your good in the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of brokenness. There is always good to be discovered through you, God, who works in and through all things. So God, as we leave this place and as we go out into the world, to our worlds, God, would you help us to be people who wait expectantly. We wait patiently because we wait expectantly, knowing and trusting that, God, you are going to do good things and that we can find water and blooms in this wilderness. God, help us to see these things in our lives. Help us to point these things out in the lives of those around us. God, go before us. We love you and we praise. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'll just ask you to remain standing this morning. I'm going to share a benediction, but just have like two quick, three quick announcements. Uh, Just a reminder, there will not be a Christmas Eve service this year because Christmas is on a Sunday, and so we will gather at 1030 on Christmas morning. Uh, No Sunday school and just a a time for us to come and celebrate and rejoice together. Uh, I think it'll be a beautiful service, and so we just want to make sure that you are aware of that. Um, Let you know, too, remind you that if you'd like, you can go sign up for the Good Samaritan Christmas Eve Breakfast. Um, There's a link out in the foyer. There's a QR code that you can scan with your phone, and it'll take you right to that sign-up sheet. Um, And so if you're able to do that, we encourage that. And I just want to thank you uh, that last week we ended up walking away with 81 gift cards for the Restore Network, which is just give yourselves a hand, because that's pretty impressive. I see what you did there. You had us waiting, right? You were like, let's really see how long we can extend this waiting. We were on the, on the edge of our seats waiting, and you came through beautifully. So thank you for your generosity for helping us to provide for those sweet families. We really appreciate it. And now I invite you to receive this benediction and blessing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the peace and joy of our Savior. May you go and look for the joy that is in, 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 in your midst all around, and may you help others to see the joy of all that God is doing around you.
You are dismissed. You are loved. Have a great day.